Amen. Amen. So in Luke chapter 5, there's this, there's this story. There are some people who get upset with Jesus. They, they call him things like drunkard and a partier. And he's, he's hanging out with people that the religious people, the church people, aren't really fans of. And Jesus looks back at them and he asks this question. And he essentially says, is it not the sick who need a doctor? Not the well. Isn't it the people who are sick? Isn't it the people who are hurting? Isn't it the people who are bleeding and desperate and hurting that need a doctor? You see, he said, those are the people that I have come from. Come from, <laughs> from really, and come for. Those are my people. So it, it happened a while back, and it, and it came on really quickly. It was a disease, kind of like Ebola kept uh, taking over communities and spreading, and it, we thought it was going to be this, this world pandemic, and, and it, it, it didn't really have any respect for anybody. It came on the, the rich and the poor. It came on those who have and have not. It, it came on anyone and everyone. It didn't matter if you were from the city or from the county. It didn't matter if you were from a tiny village. This disease was ravaging the world. And we couldn't figure out much of anything to do with it. We didn't know, have a cure. We didn't have a process. The only thing we knew for sure about this disease is that once you contracted it, you had two or three months. And that was it. And then there was this, this one little town. And about the same time, 10 or 12 people contracted the disease and they made a decision. They decided that they would, they would pull away from town in an effort to kind of quarantine themselves. And so they, they built a shack outside of town. And they, the, the 10 or 12 of them, the 12 of them, they just moved out there to that shack. And they decided to spend their last couple of months just enjoying the good things of life. Telling the stories of their lives and, and, and just kind of sharing in meals and in conversations and, and, and in being together out there in the shack. There was nothing impressive about it. It was only needed it for a couple of months. But it was their home. And each night they would gather around the fire and they would eat and tell those stories. But they, they made another decision. They said, during the day, we don't have any expertise, but we're going to try. We're going to spend all of our energy and resources and time that we have left just trying to figure out a cure for this disease. Maybe we can help some way. Maybe we can figure out something that helps to solve this problem. And that's what they did. Their days were spent working their, their evening spent laughing and singing and joking. And often in the quiet of the night, there were tears and sadness and mourning. And this went on for a, a month, six weeks, eight weeks. And then this one guy comes running into the shack one day. He had been working all alone, kind of this little lab that he had built off to the side. And, and he comes running in. He says, I'm, I'm not going to get excited yet, but I think maybe, maybe I've found the cure. 
I want, to, I want to test it out for a week or two. Maybe there's one or two of you who will, who will test it with me. And we'll just see what happens. So for the next two weeks, they took this cure. And they noticed almost immediately their symptoms started to go away. And it didn't take long before the entire disease seemed to be out of their bodies. So they, they went back into town to see the doctors and get tested. All the test results came back clean. The disease was gone. They rushed back to their little shack and they, they had a party to end all parties. Just the 12 of them. They just, they had this moment. It's almost like if someone were to bust through that door right now and say, hey, Pastor Tim, stop, stop. Listen, they have the cure for cancer. We would stop everything, right? The band would come back up. We'd celebrate. We'd call Brooklyn Pizzeria, get the best pizza in town in here. We would have ice cream. We would, I mean, it would be the party to celebrate. We've all been touched by that disease. We all know what it is to see those we love wither and some who are gone because of cancer. And so we, we know what that celebration must have been like that day. And they celebrated all night long. And every one of the twelve started taking the cure. And they started sharing the cure. And they really, they really weren't interested in, in money. When they have a cure like this, it's not about making money. It's about helping people. And so they started helping anyone they could. And people started coming and they would stay at the shack for two or three or four weeks as they took this cure and they were healed. And it, and it words started getting out. And, and, and people were so thankful they would give donations. And so they, they started to expand the shack a little bit. And they, they built a section over here. And, and they, they had like just another 25 rooms. And immediately they were filled. And they had some more donations. And they built another 50 rooms over here. And, and those were filled. And they, they couldn't keep up with the people coming in. And so they just built as they could with whatever money came in. And they, they just they gave the cure and they celebrated. And every night, the 10 or 12 of those originals would get together and they would tell the stories. This time they were telling the stories of that day. They would tell the stories of the, the celebration march of the man who walked back out of, out of the shack to his family. They would tell the stories of, of couples who, who had been healed and their life would begin again. Of children who were healed, made new. And they, they would tell these stories night after night. And the place just kept growing. And one night as they were sitting around the fire, somebody said, Hey, listen, we just kind of called this place the shack from the beginning because that's what it was. But it's not really a shack anymore. It's not really a good name for it. We need a name. And they tossed some things around and nobody could really come up with anything that they liked. And then the guy who, the guy who found the cure, he had an idea. He said, listen, why don't we just call it the hospital? That's what it is. People who are sick broken, hurting, whose lives are falling apart. They come and they, they, they're healed 
and they go back out and spread the word. I mean, this is, that's what we are, a hospital. He said, I've got, I've got some wood out there in that little lab, that little shop that, where I found the cure. Like, I've got some wood out there, and I can carve a sign, and we can hang it over the door. And so that's what he did. He, he got out a, a piece of wood, and he, it wasn't anything special. It wasn't anything remarkable. And just with his hand and a knife one night, I mean, tears streaming through the whole thing. And he, and he carves the letters H-O-S-P-I-T-A-L. And he takes it, and, it, and, it's, and it's nothing special, but he, he's so proud and so happy. And he, and he hangs this little sign up over the main door of that initial shack. And it's their hospital. And for years, they, they are... Curing the disease. Person after person, family after family. But then, then something changes over time. It was their kids, the the children of that original 12, they, they had all joined and come to live and work at the hospital. And now they were grown with kids of their own. And they were sitting around the fire having one of those nightly conversations. And you could feel some odd tension that night. Something wasn't quite right. And then finally a couple of them got together and spoke up. Said, listen... I've got, I hate to even mention this or bring it up, but I'm a little worried about something. You see, my kids have, have grown up here at the hospital, and they've never, they've never had to worry about the disease. It's never been an issue for them. And, I, and I'm not really worried about it, but if... I'm just concerned if sick people keep coming in at the rate they're coming in, then one day my kids may get sick too. And I just, I just want to protect my kids. I just want to make sure they don't get this disease. I've seen how it destroys people, and I just I want to protect them. And, and others kind of said, you know, I, I've, I've been thinking that. I just didn't want to say anything. And, and you could feel this kind of energy building. It wasn't really positive. It was almost this fearfulness. But they made a decision that night. And here's how it went. They decided, we're going to build a wall around the hospital compound. Ten foot. Ten foot wall all the way around. We'll put a gate on one side so we can go out and get supplies. And, and then that'll, that ought to slow things down. And man, did it slow things down. See, once people got sick, they just didn't have the strength to get over the barrier. They just didn't, they just didn't have the strength to get over the wall. But every now and again, <laughs> every now and again, somebody would. They'd crawl and climb and claw their way to the top of that wall and kind of fall over. And they would catch them and they would give them the cure and they would celebrate once in a while. This, this person 
And the, and the, the stories around the fire went to being memories instead of fresh stories of new healing. Time passed and there was nobody coming to the hospital anymore. Nobody. The room sat empty. Entire wings had just been shut down. Save money. This whole section didn't get used at all. It had been years since anybody could remember. And they all kind of lived in this one main tower now. And even most of that was empty. And they are sitting and around that fire. Now the great, great grandkids. That original 12. And they're, they're looking around and they said, you know... I noticed all these empty rooms. I was wondering, I've been thinking, I've been just kind of racking my brain about what we could do with them. And so he said, well, I, you know, I've, I, I have an idea. So I, I have, have been really getting into to sculpting. And I, I wonder if I could make some sculptures of those original 12. And we could put one in each room and, and, and somebody else might have said, I love to paint. I could paint some pictures, maybe of the original shack. Or that night they celebrated finding the cure. And, and I'll paint some pictures. And, and there were a couple who said, you know, I, I love to write. What if I start to write the stories? I could write one, one book that just is, is all of the first stories. And maybe a, a biography of each of the twelve. And we could tell the stories of the cure. And we could have sections that are just full of books. So they went to work. They went to work and they started filling bit by bit rooms with books and, and paintings and sculptures. And, and, and it was all very beautiful. <laughs> they sat around the fire again. And one of the guys said, you know, we've had some people come to the gate and they've come in and They've looked at the paintings and they've, they've admired the sculptures and they've even read some of the books and someone checked them out, different things. It's just been this, this kind of little bit of flow back in this place. But he said, I, I was out walking the grounds and I found something. It was just the strangest thing. The strangest thing. I don't even know where it came from or why it was here. But I was walking around and I, and I went by the, the original shack and hanging over the door is this little sign. He said, I just started laughing when I saw it. It just didn't make any sense to me at all. But it said hospital. This place is not a hospital. Has it ever been a hospital, he asked? He said, this is a museum. Look at all the sculptures and the paintings and, and all of the beautiful things that we take care of. This is a museum. People come to look and they leave. What if... What if I go and I'll take down that sign and, and, I, and I can get us a huge, bright, neon sign. And we'll, we'll put it as high as the city will let us. And, and we'll call it the museum. And people can come. They can see all over town that we're here. And they can come when they want. They can see the paintings. And they can, they can, uh, they can admire what's going on here and... Everyone said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Do it. And so he got to work. He had the sign made, and they got it installed. And after it was done, he went by, and he, 
again, just kind of laughing, took the sign down. But he didn't want to throw it away. That was what he first thought about doing. But he said, you know, that might mean something to somebody one day. Maybe we'll find something in one of the books that tells us what it's about. But So I'll just keep it. And he puts it up in the attic. And they go about their business as the museum. Week after week. Pretty paintings. Nice statues. Interesting stories to tell. And nothing really changing. For anybody. If you're with me and connected, then you realize this is the story of a church. The story of the church. A place that was meant to be healing, no longer living its mission. And I, and I imagine, if you would imagine with me, Jesus, walking up to this museum. I mean, they're all over town, bright neon signs hanging, trying to get us to come in. And Jesus walks up to our museum and says, hey, could, could you walk with me through this place? I just, I just want to show you a couple of things. And it's Jesus, so we agree. <laughs> I mean, so we follow him in, and, he, and you could almost see as he walked through the doors, he stopped and he looked up at this square above the door that was faded. It's just a different color than the rest of the wall. And he walks in, he turns down the hall, and he goes to room 107. And room 107, before we even get there, we can hear there's a party going on. They're celebrating. They're having a good time. There's food. There's laughter. There's music. It's amazing. And, and we all start to rush by Jesus to go in, but we see him stop at the door. And it's not excitement in his face. And he looks at us, he says, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love a good party. All you have to do is read the Gospels to find that out. So I, I love when my... When my children celebrate, I love it. But see, that's not what this room was for. This room was for something else. You see, in Goldsboro this week, there was a young man. He's going through a lot. He's had a secret for years and this week, he had a conversation with his parents that didn't go the way he expected. The way he hoped, I guess. It kind of went the way he expected. He, he had a conversation with them. He told them for the first time what they had suspected. But they, he told them, told them that he was gay. And all these emotions welled up in his parents. Right? Like, there was confusion really at the core, but it got interpreted as, as anger and disappointment. 
and they, they just pushed him away. They didn't want to see him. They didn't know when they'd be able to see him again. They just told him to leave and not to come back. And he's, he's spent all week trying to pretend like it didn't bother him. And he, he, last night he, he hung out with his friends and he put on a good face. And he sat down alone on his couch that night and His heart was beating fast. His mind was racing. And he felt so alone. He wondered if God had abandoned him the way he felt like his parents did that day. All he could do is just replay those conversations in his mind and he Scared, sad, he felt this darkness pressing in on his soul. And Jesus says, that room was for, was for him, for his parents, for that family. And he said, honestly, I, 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 don't, I don't care what you think about who he wants to sleep with. I don't care what you think about that. What I care about is how well you love him. And will you have a place where that family can come and find healing? Because that's what that room is for. A place where people can talk and listen. A place where they can find me and I can find them. A place where they have the room and the time to let me work in them, not you. Jesus, I'm the only one who can change any of that. I'm the only one that can work in that situation at all. But if there is a group of people in our city who have never had a place in our churches, he says, that's them. And if they don't have a place in your in your church, how will they know they have a place in my family? How will they know what I can do in them? How will they know my love? How will they know my forgiveness? This is a room for parents and kids who don't have answers and don't have it all figured out and are struggling and feel alone and separated to find healing. said, I know it won't be popular. And I know some people may have things to say about you. He said, but that'll put you in my company. And I figure that's pretty good. Yeah. 
And he keeps walking, and he, he goes down to the stairs. Of course he didn't take the elevator, but he takes the stairs. And we go up to the third floor, and it's like he went to this end of purpose and walked all the way down. We get to, to room 340, and uh, as, we, as we get close, this room, what we hear is nothing like the first one. It's anger. Like, it's fighting. And it's silly, right? They're fighting. There are five people on this side of the table and five people on this side of the table, and they're fighting. They're fighting over what to spend money on. There's this group of people who are like, we need new carpet. And there's this group who says, no, we need new lighting. All it takes is one person, right, one person to switch sides, and it ain't happening. They've been in there for like four hours fighting over carpet and lights. And Jesus says, listen, you got to take care of what I give you. you got to be good stewards. you got to maintain and protect stuff. And as you take care of these physical things, it shows the world that you can pay attention to details. And that if you can take care of buildings, you might be able to help them take care of their lives. Right? So it's just attention. Love is in the details, he says. And so I know this matters. But that's not what this room was for. said, um, said, there's this, this, this girl, this young woman. It's been called all kinds of things in her life and been through unspeakable things from men in her life. And she was very young. A few months ago, she met this guy who was nice to her, but he he introduced her to some different things. It's, it's becoming more and more common in Goldsboro. Drug of choice was heroin, and it's just owned her. Just tried to keep it secret. Tried to hide it, but she spent everything she had and more on it. She doesn't want this life anymore. She knows deep down it's not who she is, but she's just running from so much pain that she she can't escape it. She doesn't know what to do with it. And this morning, she woke up in a hotel room. And she sat there on the end of the bed eating dry cereal, thinking, wondering if there's anyone who could love her after all of this, wondering if there's a God out there, wondering if her life is worth anything, as she Eats that stale cereal. She's thinking about ways to take her own life. And if anyone would ever notice. (laughs) 
Jesus says, this room up here on the third floor is for her. He says, I know that journey is not going to be easy. And I know it would be easier to just pretend like it's not happening in your city, in your town, in your neighborhood. But it is. And this room is a place for her to find healing and a new beginning. It's a place for a family to come around her with such love that it makes my love for her plausible. It's a, it's a place for some women who will walk with her through those hard nights of withdrawal. And the, the endless days of temptation. Those who will walk with her and reteach her her value. And help her discover her purpose. So those things that people have called her. He said, I've never called her any of those. This is my daughter. And I gave everything for her. Just looking for some people who will make a place. And love her with me. That's what this room was for. And he turns around without saying anything. He starts walking again. And he goes up. He goes up to the fifth floor. And he stops at the first room. 501. And this is like, the, the, you, you get close to it, and you can kind of hear this music, this ambient music. It's like, there's no words, but it just feels good. It smells good coming out of there. And we peek in, and it's like mirrors all the way around the room. And like every, every wall is just a mirror. And, it, and you watch as people are standing in front of the mirrors. And they're like, I am loved, I am cherished, Jesus loves me, and he has purpose for me. And over and over again, they're just telling themselves this. God has a plan. God is doing something good. This is going to be okay. I've got this. Then they rip out Philippians 4. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. has nothing to do with being content like Paul meant, but it makes them feel better. And Jesus says, listen. All those things are true. I love my children. I have a plan for them. I have a purpose for them. I can give their life meaning. I can bring out all they were created to be. But that's not what this room was for. In fact, this room, he says, is not really a room in the hospital so much as like your living room. Your dining room. That table at the coffee shop. The deck of your boat. front seat of your car it's those places he said it was it was made for this this family this young couple man they're just they're just in their early 20s he's military and they were moved here just got like married have a kid and like 
they've been here for like six or seven months, and they thought they were coming to a place so like, it would be, they'd be able to connect, and they'd be able to find family, and, and it would be wonderful, and they, they bought a place off base, and it has been miserable. <laughs> they know no one. They feel so alone, going through life adrift, far away from their families. All they can think about is getting back there, and it's it's just caused all kinds of problems. Last night, he yelled at Kit for nothing. He was just being a kid. I think he stepped on a Lego or something, and it was the end of the world. And it, it, he and his wife, it's just tensions have been growing. He had a thought they'd never thought before. It's like, maybe this isn't going to work. He says, that room is for them. He said, I don't know if you remember. He says, in the Psalms, there was a song. There was a story that says that, says that I will put the lonely into families. And he says, your family is that family. For the lonely. And that room was meant to be able to bring that couple in and just love to demonstrate and model for them what healthy, growing, dynamic, purposeful marriage looks like. To help them when they have those moments when you step on the Lego and say everything you wish you'd never said. said this is a place, that room, your living room, is for those, those people in your community who are lonely, who are here all by themselves, will you embrace them and bring healing to those lonely souls? Because this couple, they are so lonely together. (laughs) Will you be family? And he takes us one last spot. He says, listen, I know it's getting late. I know I've taken... Talk too long, you know. I sound like a preacher, but I'm, I just we have one more place to take you. <laughs> and we go. This time he takes the elevator. We go all the way up to the very top. And we get out. And we walk down the hall to the end, and there's this this little door. And it's to the attic, and it's one of those little doors that you kind of have to like step over an edge and bend down at the same time to get through. And half of us hit our head as we cram in there, and we get in, and and you can just see him just. Breathe this sigh. He starts laughing. Right? He picks up this wooden spoon. And he says, this got me into so much trouble. All I did is eat with people. Really, anybody who would eat with me, I ate with them. Had such great conversations. I'd listen and, and help them believe in what was possible. Believe in what God had for them again. Man, those were some great nights. But boy, did it get me in trouble. He says it down. He sees this pile of, of strips of cloth. And, and they look pretty nasty. I'm just going to tell you the truth. They're like, there's like yellow, crusty, and it's like blood stains. And, and he picks them up. And he hugs them. Like holds them close. And he says, back in my day, there was this disease called leprosy. And man, once you got it, it was it. You moved out of town. You were unclean. You were separated from your family, from your faith, from being able to worship. You are separated from everything. People wouldn't even touch you. You wouldn't even get close. 
And there was this one guy who one time said to me, Jesus, if you're willing, you could heal me. And I said, if I'm willing, it's the whole reason I'm here. And nobody had touched him, but I, I touched him. I grabbed him. Immediately he was healed. These are, these are the cloths that he had worn and wrapped and hidden himself with. Man, that's why I'm here. And then he spies something back in the corner. It's that sign. And he grabs it and he wipes the dust off of it. See, just kind of running his fingers over the letters. Like he has something he wants to ask. He looks at us and he says, listen. I don't care about the bright lights and the big signs, the buildings. Just looking for a few people. Who hang a sign up like this and be a place of healing. Will be my hospital. For the last five and a half years, Hydrant, you have been this. <laughs> you are this. A couple weeks ago, I sat with uh, someone who used to live in Goldsboro and was back visiting, and we were having coffee. He said, Listen, I don't know if you know this, but Hydrant Church. Let me tell you what Hydrant Church is known for in Goldsboro. It's known for being a place of healing. One of our teenagers messaged me this week and asked if I had seen this TV show, New Amsterdam. It's about a, about a hospital and about this hospital that was failing to be the hospital it was supposed to be. It had become about money and celebrity doctors and this kind of thing. And they hire this guy. And the first thing he does is like clean house. Like fires the head of every department and starts over. And makes every decision about patience. And patient care. And healing. And, she, and I had seen a few episodes of it. She says, you remind me of Dr. Max. The doctor who went in and. Started the place over. Say, well, I kind of like that character. I'll take that as a compliment. She goes, and you run a hospital. And so for the next eight weeks, you run a hospital. At the end of this day, we'll hang this sign back up over the door of this room. And you take the charge. You take the lead. You handle it. You watch for the hurting and the broken and the lonely. And be those ones who will embrace and love and care in my stead. Because it's not just what he's called me to. It's what he's called us all to. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for the privilege of having walked these last seven years in this place with these people who love you and who have answered your call to be a hospital. Every moment, every ministry, every conversation, every 
thing we do is built around being a place where people can meet you and you can bring healing into their lives. You are the single great physician. And so in these moments, God, I trust you to do what you have been doing. And I trust your people with this thing you have built here as much as you trust them with it. You've empowered us with your spirit. You've given us your mission. You have spoken your call. And we will follow with gratitude for the healing you've brought us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you too, man. I look forward to seven more years after an eight-week break. I'm going to miss the next eight weeks of homemade cookies, so eat one for me. Enjoy one on your way out today, and we'll see you soon.